instruction to take him, okay? And run across the middle. Yeah, I, I agree with Michael Checker. As a supporting player, has equally as much rights to run lines. He was looking like he wanted to get around behind Spade. Yeah, this has come straight from Feldsman, Sean Feldsman. It's not Nigel Owen's call. He awarded the try. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. And what a week it's been. But this is the show that is getting you over the gay line on the hottest topic of Australian rugby. I'm Rugby Reg, and we're coming to you via Eon Sports Radio or from our very own website, Green and Gold Rugby, uh, which is the home of all things rugby in Australia. And special treat for us tonight, uh, we've brought in the clowns, Matt Rowley and Hugh Cavill. How are you going, Matt? <laughs> disrespectful, mate. Disrespectful. Come on. That's not what this podcast stands for. Everyone who's ever been on this podcast. I'm wearing the jersey right now. You've just so disrespected it. Um, yeah, evening, boyo. Uh, let me take you back a bit <laughs> uh, to, to that question. No, um, mate, I don't know. It's been a funny old few days, has it not? Um, a, a lot has gone on, but yeah, I think I need. I feel we need to work through it tonight. I think I need to, you know, get 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 across some, get some issues, or get over some issues, get some closure. What's happened this this week? I thought the season was fizzling out. I was sort of bit jaded last week and sort of I think I was about to suggest that you know this might be you know we might not even need a podcast this week or it might be our last one and well we've got enough for about four weeks worth of podcast now so can you, um, can you feel the tension on the you can feel the tension on the side and it's not just about the wallabies but you know you know the NRC has had a fairly good ride this year and and you know people have been mostly positive to do it but all of a sudden post this final there's been negative comments about it even the Wallaroos post got a few negative comments and all this I think people are just angry and trying to vent their frustration at anything Australian <laughs> rugby at the moment it's really uh, shocking yeah, it's coming apart at the seams. Let's see if we can put it back together again in this podcast. Yeah, okay, but let's start. Before we, we, we get into our five burning questions, I want to ask you guys, Matt, I'll come straight to you first. So the, the yeah, New Zealand Herald caused all sorts of controversy this week with the depiction of Michael Checker as a clown on the front of their paper uh, and, and this saying, send in the clowns. What do you reckon their next go-to cartoon is as a follow-up? Um, well, I don't know if they've already done this and we didn't see it um this one but i think it, the headline would be fly my pretties fly and it would be a picture of all those monkeys um like you know in the wizard of oz yeah um, but it's all the um nz warrior um internet monkeys flying with their keyboards under their arms <laughs> land on our website <laughs> because um the influx we have had from basically the most odious of Kiwi trolls in the last um, – now, and don't get me wrong, and there might even be a couple of guys listening to this podcast, God knows, who actually add value. Um, and, yeah, they stick, stand their ground, but they add value. But the number of guys who have been absolutely just – I mean, you know, just painful. Um, and it's, it's the classic one. I'd, I've always got a mental picture that there are actually departments in Wellington of, you know, basically – Men who've never really got past teenagerdom, prob- but they're probably in their 40s, um, wearing Y fronts down in the basement, um, just cranking out Richie McCaw defense stories. Um, and now they've kind of shifted to the whole Shags Hansen, um, you know, support crew because it's just, it's just pathetic. But anyway, so if they haven't run it already, they should have that department ready and waiting, especially should they ever lose. I love that. I love that. That's a brilliant one. It's so true. So true. What about you, Mr. Cavill? Have you got anything, mate? 
Well, so I thought this was this was I, I like that one, Matt, and, and I've got to say the, the days of us recording this in a ba- in our basements I think ended a few years ago. So <laughs> I think we're in the clear. Um, it, it, well, I thought this was about what what the New Zealand Herald was going to go with Checker next, you know, and 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 there's a few ways. I mean, look, I think it's it's due, he's got to be needled again. So I mean, I've gone pun based as as you know you've got to do with any good headline, and and there's a touch of the dic, you know the African dictator about Checker. So I was thinking, you know, the, the the beret and the medals and all of that sort of thing, and 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 the headline being Czech Republic. Um, <laughs> you know, it's mainly a headline-driven one, but I think it's it's got legs there, so that, that could that could come out. But that's how most stories are written. Just if you can think yes. of a story, you guys are a lot more classy. I thought they'd go with something with the headline being, um, "We want more respect." M W O R E. So they're targeting Steve <laughs> for this one, and it's a picture of Steve uh, wearing a full nappy. Baby's outfit and a dummy in his mouth, spitting the dummy. So that's that's where I reckon they'll be going to next. He does Mate, look like a bit of an oversized baby, Stephen Moore. Does <laughs> that's it? What I it was a very broken nose. Um, yes. You get a call child line for that one, but um, you know that's almost as good as your Richardy grab one that you obviously wrote as well. <laughs> I'm surprised that got picked up. I love that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. All right, we are going to get into our five burning questions. Uh, there, there are some burning questions. We'll see how we can moderate these ones. Uh, I'll go through them now before we get stuck into them. So the first question is, what cost us victory in that test match? Question two, did Checker go too far in the post-game conference, uh, press conference? Question three, uh, was that our best performance of the year so far? Question four, uh, what's a pass mark on the upcoming end of year two in these uh, internationals on the Northern Hemisphere? And question five, Perth Spirit just won the NRC. What does that mean for next year's and their Super Rugby and, I guess, uh, rugby in general in Western Australia? But let's get straight to it. Uh, I don't think I can hold them back anymore. Matt, uh, what cost us victory in that test match? Oh, mate. Well, look, um, it, I'm going to go with the real with – the, with the most important answer first, which is just going to be errors. Um, you can't cough up. I mean, you know, and yes, um, missed tackles, which I guess you can count as errors, but, you know, um, and one of those, for example, the Reese Hodge miss on um, ben, ben Smith, um, the um, Henry Spate. How did he not catch that? I don't understand like, yeah, that. I, I thought it was in his arms, yeah. He actually read it, but didn't get the ball. And so, bang, um, what was his, was it Crotty who then basically just, um, you know, jogged it over so there you go there's well actually um they weren't kicking any conversions at that point no. but there's but there's 10 of the 37 point difference um or, 30, or 10 of the 37 points they made so yeah i mean uh, look you know it was, it's just it turnovers i thought and then also it wasn't just then it was the number of times we crueled ourselves I mean, we had a lot of ball we had actually a lot of good territory and there'd just be like you know a knock-on or something silly at, just at the wrong time so i think that was checked said in his now legendary press conference afterwards is just that you can't turn over that much ball against a team like New Zealand. And I think every single one of New Zealand's ties was actually off a turnover in some way or a mistake. Yeah, um, that's probably pretty accurate. Um, so there you go. They crucified it with us. So, yeah, I think that was the actual, in truth, losing of the game. But I'm still warming up for <laughs> for what I thought was an important part of the game. Or We'll we'll get to that one. I've got no doubt. What about you, Hugh? What what lost it for us, mate? Yeah, look, yeah, Matt, Matt's pretty much right. I'd, I'd go a bit more specific 
Um, I, th- I think our our transition defence in the, in the second half. I mean, you think at fifteen ten and at fifteen ten we're right in that game, and and you know it could have been fifteen fifteen or it could have even been fifteen thirteen when Bernard Foley shanked one from in front. Um, you know, sort of five minutes later, um, but. Yeah, in that last twenty, you just got to, the All Blacks can turn um, defence into attack so quickly, and you've got to be so quick to to respond in kind. And we just gave away a few turnovers, a few kicks that just didn't didn't go as far. Or we've just been on for eighty minutes, and unfortunately, we're only on for about sixty. Yeah, it's a, it's interesting that that time frame, isn't it? They, these All Blacks, you know, you've got to you know you got to be on your game. You can't let them in. And, and Matt, you made the point we just we gift them those first 10 points which should have been 14 points but you know the charge town and Hodge kicking with oh, his God, wrong I boot on the wrong that. side yeah. was just infuriating you know it was just the simple smarts game smarts we lacked there and 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 spites yeah like you say you, you can't call it a misread he probably read it but maybe it was just an error in judgment on, on going that far but on that Brian Smith article that's on the the blog today you I, I watched that gif of that moment probably 20 times, just trying to work out what was happening. Because even Karevi, like he was sort of charged up, then he stopped and ran backwards. I just I just couldn't work out what any of them were thinking there. But it, it cost us big time. Those All Blacks just punished that sort of stuff. So, you know, we're down 10 points. I mean, full credit for the guys to come back. But we'll get into the big issue that, you know, it's that mentality thing. And that's the difference between these teams. Something goes wrong. And, I, you know, whether this was a turning point, whether this was the thought process, but, you know, the, the spate tries disallowed. And to me, we fall in a bundle after that. And all of a sudden, well, maybe the All Blacks feel this is our night and, and, and just click up a gear. Because after that, mate, it, it was like a steamroll and we, we just couldn't stop them. It was, it was um, you know, the, I, I feared it coming at half time. to be honest. I'm surprised. You know, I'm not surprised. You know, it, it lasted a bit longer than I thought, but that was just um, unstoppable after that. And Severe himself was just at the heart of it. It was just, uh, it was just horrendous. Yeah. No, look, uh, and that's the problem. If you, you, you want to debate the sort of things I think we want to get stuck into, well, then you look at the, the try count. And was it 7-1? Um, and so people kind of say, oh, well, so there was one try in debate there, was there? Um, so, uh, look, uh, you know, it's tough. I, I think... I, I, Go ahead. Mark. I don't like that argument because, you know, it's the whole sliding doors approach, yeah. you know. You can't just say one try, but, you know, we lost by 20-odd or 30-odd. Mate, we scored that try. We're in the front, even if we're equal up. And we were playing damn well at the moment. That's the thing. Came out in that second half, we were playing damn well, damn well. All of a sudden, the confidence up and, and we're back in the gig. And, you know, it, it, it doesn't – it's not a simple seven points difference. Yeah, whatever. It didn't make a difference in the game. It, it clearly did. Well, rewind you to last week's show, and the thing that I really wanted it to see, and I guess was that was my pass mark in lieu of a win this um, from from Saturday, was going to be that look on the Kiwis' face when yep. they go, um, oh, you know, basically, oh bugger, um, and what do we do now? And it actually happened after that try. So they even showed it, and they showed Kieran Reid in the middle. There's this kind of wide-eyed look on his face, like, oh shit, I've actually got a captain now. Um, and I think, and, and that's the situation you yeah. need to put in, right? And because otherwise, they're, they're used. 
now after these was at last you know 15 odd games um where they've been running these points in you know um i mean you know the welsh pushed them a little bit but you know they're just used to coming back and having it all their own way and i think if if we'd managed to take that deep into that match and be within a score um i think we would have seen very different stuff um when you're more a trial more away and you know you can score that quickly you play in a very very different way you keep the offloads going you do all those sort of high risk moves that you don't even think about and if you can just get them ticking over and thinking and that's what we were desperately searching for and i think the rest of the world is sitting there going someone needs to make you know be able to make these guys think and put an element of doubt in their play because it's it's such confidence play um, and I thought and we had got there until the most egregious, tragic, tortured refereeing slash TMO cluster um, happened. I just I'm I sat for the rest of the match just shaking my head side to side. But maybe you should talk to Hugh to get a bit more reason about that event. Do you have any reason on it, Cavill? Uh, I've been thinking a lot about this the last 48 hours. Um, and, uh, you know, so a bit of background. I was at a wedding on Saturday night um, and, you know, was following the score on my phone and, and, and on the way home was, was um, you know, looking at the tweets and sort of going back through the game and, and saw this sort of outrage, this froth from everyone in Australia about this TMO decision. And so when I was watching my replay of the game, I was expecting, you know, when the time came to be to be floored, you know, to, to see something that was just so, yeah, egregiously horrible that I, I couldn't cope with it. And then I saw it, and <laughs> I might be the only person in Australia, but I, I think that I think the TMO – look, I think the TMO made the wrong call because I think the right call was a penalty to Australia um, because Hallett Petty being held back was the first offence. Um, you know, I, I, Spate's probably gone. I've seen that try awarded before, but at the same time, Hallett Petty moved and put his arm in front of Sevilla. I don't know what he was doing. You know, Spate might have been home, but, you know, Hallett Petty just – yeah, and and if he did it a couple of steps later, it might not have been as bad. But he he for some reason changed his line and put his arm across Sevilla's chest. I mean, it was it was pretty blatant. And look, I, I can see the argument. I I, I could I've seen, as I said, I've seen that trial water, and I don't think I'm you know I the Kiwis would have any cause for for complaint if it was awarded. Yeah, look, I, I'm not as outraged certainly as, as as I think Matt might be about to. Uh, Matt might be about to start it, but uh, yeah, I, I can't get on. I can't get the, the the pitchforks and the flaming torches for this one, Reg. Yeah, and, and maybe it's that that distance or time factor because I I can't remember being more outraged about a decision in a test match or a game of rugby for a long time. And, and maybe in the calm, you know, cool light of day now, it, it might be accurate by the letter of the law. But at the time, I was furious, and and it's still. Ugh frustrates me no end matt mm. um is this is it too reasonable uh, perception from from you there yeah i mean look oh, i mean if you if if you went you know if you looked at every try and this is what the south african tmo seems yeah. to like to do but he seems to like to pick it for the right teams at the right time if you want to go back and you know have a scurry back into everything that's happened across the field i mean there would have been four or five people pulling four or five people back and doing all sorts of stuff behind that play um, so the can of worms that you've just opened is ridiculous because, I mean, you know, Spate was gone. There was absolutely no way on earth. Surveyor wasn't no. gaining on him. He didn't have an angle on him. Um, you know, and it wasn't, you know, 
and, and this is where you, you use judgment. And this is where, yes, that TM, I mean, the number of things that were wrong here. One was um, how basically it was the director, at, you know, um, the video director at that match and others basically now use the crowd um, in, in, in influence. And it's just, it's got out of hand, um, including those sorts of things like yeah, when they, when they thought they spotted, was it the Hooper headbutt on Retallic or something? Which they're showing on the big screen and trying to drum up, um, you know, and, mm. it, and it's clear that they've got a number of people trawling for those incidents. Strangely enough, yeah. not from All Blacks, um, but but for, but but from Wallabies. So, I mean, there was that thing which started the ruckus, and then that the TMO goes back and pulls that up. But I mean, you could, as Hugh just said, you could go back, and if you do go back, there are worse shoulder charges on Haylett Petty um, before that. And I'm sure if you looked across the field, you'd see a whole bunch of different things going on. So it is just the most nonsensical thing I, I've. I mean, you know, I had the outrage then, and I still have it. And Hugh, I guess you're right in the letter of the law. Are you allowed to do that? Oh, not really. I mean, it's shoulder to shoulder. He doesn't even pull on him. Um, and and surveyor goes for a half dive. I mean, it was pretty pathetic. Um, yeah, but if 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 it was shoulder to shoulder, I could I could I, I like I think I would be equally outraged if it was just a bump. But it was the put putting the hand across the chest. You know, he he went and he actively moved into a stupid line. Yeah, he 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 wasn't running a, a different support line. He he ran into. You could see exactly what he was doing. Like you know what he was doing. He was trying to he was trying to give him a bump, but he was just not subtle about it at all. Like there's better ways to do it. Um, yeah, look, yeah, look, I, 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 think that, I think and I think he's escaped from this a bit unscathed because regardless of whether it's a penalty or not, it was a stupid, stupid thing to do. And he why didn't he just let Spate score the try? Why did he? You know that it it, it was a really you know, if it was Rob Simmons that did that, I'll tell you what, you know, there'd be, there'd be a bit of a different reaction, I think, on our boards to, uh, to, what, to, to what it was if Hale at Petty... No, we, need, we needed Dean Mum to do that. Look, um, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I, I, I think the reason why he did it, and I think the reason why he's probably escaped, as everyone's just said, how many times have you, have you seen that? Because the convention is, you know, and, and, you, and Kiwi rugby survives off it. The number of interfe- you know, number of um, support runners who interfere with anybody, um, you know, to make a tackle, and not when it's like a, you know, when you're directly behind, is it happens all the time. You watch it through all Super Rugby, and everyone just says, well, no, he's a, he's a support player behind the ball. He, he can run wherever he wants. Um, so, what about the flip side? What are the Dane Coles try? The or not the, the Dan Cole's non-trial that was minutes later was that well, this uh, is the nonsense that these that the you know the warrior monkeys keyboard warrior monkeys have come out with um, yeah. which is oh, the tackle all Foley does is dive to get to the ball um, and and if if Dane Coles wasn't such a a gloating I mean I'm trying I've got to moderate my language here trying to keep it clean um, wasn't such a gloating so and so he just would have dived on that ball and scored a try. Yeah. Um, as it was, he thought he was going to do some sort of gloat. And Foley, who, by the way, had, hey, the best game we've seen him have yeah. since, I think, that England match. Last year, yeah. Um, I mean, absolutely unbelievable. And what a difference that made. And we need to get into performances yeah. in a second. I agree. But, yeah, if, if Dane Coles had just done, you know, regulation, keep your head down, score a try, we wouldn't have been talking about it. Foley just dived. There was no tackle there. It was Foley just diving for the ball. That was the other most ridiculous thing I heard from um, yeah, the the, the, the the guys from the, the basements in Wellington. The, the two other complaints I've got, and this is a minor one, when Rory Arnold got penalised for um, taking someone oh. out beyond the ruck, which was just, it was a perfect clear out, and it's what, again, <laughs> the All Blacks do 
sort of nine times out of ten at the ruck, they clear out and then drive them past. I was blown away by that decision, and it wasn't mine. It didn't lead to points or anything that I can remember, but that was just a ludicrous one. And then the the uh, TV match officials' insistence on on Owens. Uh, was he? Oh. Are you sure that was a forward pass? Are you, are you sure you want to reconsider that? I don't. I don't think it was a forward pass. He wanted that last try, that you know, late try to um, to the All Blacks then. But uh, when Owens ruled it forward, it was just. It was. I've never seen such, you know, a strong uh, uh, positioning of their uh, mindset on that one. It was just ridiculous. But no. One last one last call on the refereeing. I would say. I mean, and again, I've got to be the voice of reason, but I'll stick up for Nigel Owens in this part. Well, wasn't it nice to finally see the All Blacks referee yes. the on-site line, the on-site yes. line refereed properly? And all of a sudden, it started to open the game up for us because the, these blokes in midfield weren't three metres offside every time the ball got wide. Like we, And it was amazing that we finally had a bit of space to play with because he was pinging people for, for being in front of the last feet. And the other thing I loved was his uh, the... 10-point, well, not the 10-point try, but the penalty against Kieran Reid for mucking around, being a smart-ass yeah. after um, the Rory Arnold try. I mean, I thought it was fantastic captain uh, refereeing, I thought. I don't agree with that offside line thing, though, Hugh. I mean, come on, they were... I mean, that was... We started making line breaks by flat passing because they already run past us. I mean, you know, uh, look, I mean, he pinged it a couple of times. Um, I think it was almost always an assistant referee's call because you saw him get it late and kind of... Yeah, um, but, but, they always, but the offside lines always are assistant referee's call, yeah. right? Like that's their rule, their job is to be the off, essentially to call offsides. But, um, I mean, I, yeah, I thought, look, they got him a couple of times, but I just, you know, it, it is so often. It's such a part of their game as well now. Um, and there's a couple of... You know, it's like Franks is always is one of them. Uh, Reed is another. It's it's yeah. it's pretty ridiculous as, as as far as where it's got to. But anyway, right, you, I, I just going to say Hugh, you had another one. No, no, no. Let's let's move on. Let's move on. I, I just did want to finish with saying uh, before we go to the next burning question is, you, you know, you, you can almost sense when it's your night against your blacks. It's when those drop passes happen that would they would all you know regularly take. It's when these missed kicks happen. And that was our night, you know, that early on, they were up 10-0, I don't know how, but, you know, through basic all the mistakes. But they could have been up 20 to 30-nil pretty quickly because there's a lot of drop ball there. And that's the type of night that I thought, okay, things could go away. And when we felt, when we came back into the game, you know, I had more and more confidence there. And I had a nice little hefty win on that with the Wallabies to win at 11 bucks. You know, I was almost, almost counting my money, but... You know, you got to take those chances against the All Blacks, and, and it just goes back to what cost of that victory. As you said, Matt, silly mistakes, and I can't believe we only we only scored ten points in the end. But it's uh, it was a, a, a chance to take, and we we just didn't take it. Yeah. All right, let's go into burning question number two. So we saw the reaction. We saw um, Michael Checker's reaction in the post game press conference. Was that too far, Hugh? Was it a little bit too over the top or justifiable? Oh, look, I think it was a bit over the top. Um, he, he, look, he, I, I like Checker's personality. I like I like that he wears his heart on his sleeve, and 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 I think you know generally post game press conferences can be a bit too bland. Um, and so I, I I I think you know I'm I'm pro him him airing out his opinions and stuff. I just don't think he should have bit on a newspaper headline. I mean, it's the old the old expression. I can't remember who it was, but it was you know never pick a fight with someone who buys ink by the barrel. And you're never going to win, you know. You're never going to win having a crack at a newspaper, whether it's the, you know, the 
the, the Daily Telegraph or, you know, it's these tabloid journos. They're just going to eat you alive. There's, there's no victory there to be had. And so you're much better off just ignoring it. And if, if asked about it, um, you know, just say, oh, well, you know, it's a, I didn't even know they were still printing newspapers these days or something, words to that effect. I mean, it just, it's, it's just all it is angling for is for, to try and get a reaction out of you. And so by giving them a re- reaction, by going off the deep end like he did, uh, he just plays into their hands completely. And, and what, do you think they're going to print an apology now? I mean, a lot of the Kiwis blokes that I know thought, you know, the, the cartoon was a little bit off color, but I mean, for God's sake, it's the tabloid press. I mean, I, I've seen far worse things that we've done in Australia about about Stuart Broad and about you know Richie McCaw oh, and all gosh, these targets yeah. and, and yeah. it's all it's all good fun. I mean it's all harmless stuff. It's just a, a gentle G up before a game. I, I don't think there's there's this grand conspiracy by the All Blacks to 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 plant you know cartoons to put us off or whatever it is. I mean look you know I, I just think there's there's we've got much bigger problems to worry about in our game than than what cartoons are on the front page of the Herald. Yeah. But Matt, you get a feel that he's been sitting on this while, and maybe this was more more about the buggy incident than against the uh, than the cartoon. <laughs> I get a feeling this was pent up. Yeah, you're teeing me off here, mate. You might have seen my Twitter storm, yes. my Twitter storm this morning, um, which certainly uh, got some interesting replies from some interesting people. Look, I don't think I think this is a misread of the situation to think that this is about the cartoon. Um, so to start with, I think Checker was clearly fuming about the most ridiculous refereeing decision we've ever seen. And so, but he, and he, he starts off saying, I can't talk about that. They've got me by the throat. Yep. So he's got to move on from that. And by the way, if you, I'm probably going to, I think I'm going to write an article. Uh, I think I've got a write article half written. It's actually got the full press conference in it. I watched that press conference from beginning to end. It's not that long. I think it only takes a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, but he is very eloquent and very gracious about how good the All Blacks are in their skills and their execution and in the record that they've set. And he very much owns all the problems that the Wallabies have got. So, and he doesn't even do it as a perfunctual thing. He goes into detail. So, at the start too. At the start, he made that yeah. pretty clear. He wanted to mm. own their own, you know, misadventures. Yeah, exactly. So I thought actually the the. Overall, he was very gracious in the, in the in the whole thing, but where he tees off, and I think this is where people are misreading it and saying, because you're quite right. If you think that you know the end, New South, uh, the uh, All Black management has anything to do with what those papers print, um, um, in terms of you know the clown stuff, obviously not. But I actually think that was a segue, because where he wanted to get to was what a disrespectful so and so, Shags Hanson, and basically the whole All Black outfit is and he was doing but i mean but to go back to the sydney thing and and just go straight there is a bit difficult right it's like well how do i go back three weeks um and start to or more more, and start talking about that but the nice little segue is you say well and this is an example of the sort of disrespect we're getting and the link is that it's the same newspaper that hansen and the all blacks dropped that bugging tip off into on the morning of the test match in sydney and I don't think – I think people have – I mean, that story might have gone away for now, but I think people should not underestimate how much that has um, pissed off the Wallabies because, you know, basically it was, it was an allegation thrown, you know, in there which was, you know, that this – you know, we've been bugged. Who would have done it? Um, and so it was basically thrown at them. It turns out the Wallabies were bugged as well. Um, by the way, I think that's one of the biggest stories that's currently getting away that someone needs to get onto. And I do know that some 
newspaper, you know, some people are actually chasing that. Um, hopefully, they'll get somewhere. Unfortunately, unless one of the protagonists, like the AOU or the or the hotel or someone else, really pushes it with the police, they'll only investigate it so far. But I think we've seen in the press the police have actually said they're still not sure that it wasn't the Kiwis who planted it themselves, yeah. which is a very interesting thing for the police to say. So, look, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. I'm fairly aware as well that the, the, the Wallabies still feel that it's amazing how line-out calls and a whole bunch of things seem to fall into the All Blacks' hands and uh, selection decisions. Yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. Hansen called Hodge to 12 and Cooper benched 24 hours before anyone else did. Yeah. No, I mean, look, I think it's, it's on, basically. And so I think that's where... So I think that's where, slightly obliquely through this stupid cartoon thing, that's where Chaka was going. This wasn't really about the cartoon. It wasn't really about the New Zealand Herald. It was about Hanson and the All Blacks and the lack of respect that they've been showing. I mean, you know, take you back to that thing that Hanson came from nowhere and decided to get stuck into Chaka about the England series and how yeah. Eddie had schooled him or whatever else. What right or what basis does Hansen have to make any comment like that at all and here's the thing about Michael Checker I agree he wears his heart on his sleeve and he does a bunch of stuff that I think most of us would find a little bit sort of um, you know distasteful or whatever Um, but you know he I don't remember him ever coming out on the front foot and disrespecting another coach, let alone especially since he's been an international um, l- level. I think he's always very respectful about that. Think about, in, you know, probably to his detriment almost, because I think on this podcast we've talked about how he's been behind the eight ball with Eddie um, and, and Hanson, for example. Um, and I think the old Wallabies as a whole, you know, funnily enough, we see Dean Mum getting cited, um, yet Owen mm. Franks walked scot-free without happening to him, partly because the Wallabies won't cite. Okay? So, and I'd be very interested to see if the, if the All Blacks hold the same policy. But the, but the Wallabies won't cite on their own accord, and we saw that happen. That's why Frank's um, kind of basically got off. So, look, I think... Um, I think that I think basically Checkers feels like you know, geez, we've kept a, you know, a, you know, the stiff upper lip here far too long, and I've just had a gutful of it. Um, you, you know, basically you're an ungrate, uh, ungracious winner, um, which is probably the worst kind that there, you know, that, that that there can be, and it's actually going beyond just sledging. That I think there's, you know. There's a feeling there's quite a few nefarious things going on, which you wouldn't expect from a team with a record like the All Blacks. Um, but but there you go. Yeah, I love that. That's a, that's great. Look, there's a lot to that, and and it might just be something we let sit and and uh, wait for your article on because yeah, it, it's interesting. I know during the English series, our players tried to rough up the the palms a bit, and it didn't necessarily work. I got a sense, and Matt, I think you said it in last week's podcast that you'd hope would see it or you'd expect us to see it, and I think we did. And I actually think it worked. I think I think Arnold and the and and Coleman and and, and more and those guys got under the skin of of Reed and the All Blacks and Metallic and all that sort of stuff. There, and you saw that frustration after Arnold's score. I get a sense that Czech is trying to do the same. I think they're trying to bust this aura that the All Blacks supposedly have and probably do have. I mean, forty four matches at home undefeated or whatever it is, and now eighteen in a row. Um, uh, uh, against all comers, so you know, I, I think there's a they're trying to break down that uh, that enigma that is uh, all black rugby. So perhaps, oh, look, I, I was a little bit embarrassed by what Checker said. I, I acknowledge what you say about um, 
he owned the Wallaby performance early. I think he lost his way. And it, mate, it's a, it's a tough environment that in front of the crowd after a, in front of the press after a, a game like that where um, he you know was asked to comment about that about was it about the cartoon and oh no about the you know it was about the win about the eighteen victory and then he went on and just ran about the All Blacks don't mean, you know they don't want my comment they don't need my comment all that sort of stuff and then had to backtrack a little bit and, and say something else I, I just felt that was a little bit messy on him but um uh, and, and I, I think there's something behind it look I I, I prefer the the, the the more refined statesman approach but I think Czech has got a, a, a long plan here and, and that'll come to fruition or I think the intention is that'll come to fruition next year with the All Blacks I think he's he's trying things so uh, let's uh, let's see if that happens uh, sometime next year. Although you think it, Rich. Yep. Um, all right. So let's get on. Let's get to talk a bit more about the test. We've talked about that incident and how we lost, uh, and obviously the press match. But the, the third burning question was: Was that our best performance of the year? Hugh, did you feel it was? No, I, I don't think. I don't think it was, Reg. I, I, you know, rugby's a funny game sometimes. You know, I, I think we played well, um, but ultimately. We only scored one try, and we had 80 minutes to do do so. And and so you can look as good as you want, but if you aren't scoring tries, and I acknowledge it's hard opposition, and the All Blacks are the best in the game. But um, I've got to say, it doesn't matter who you play against. If 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 you're scoring points, then then that's what you're after. And I think it's probably that game in Ar- against Argentina in Perth or Argentina, dare I say, in Twickenham, where it, yeah, might have been a bit ugly, but we were scoring points, you know. And that's ultimately the goal of the game, the the the, the reason for the game. And and so you can look as brilliant as you want. And we did look pretty good in parts against the All Blacks. In, in the games against Argentina, we 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 probably were a bit scratchy, but you know, we got the job done, and we scored 30, 30 40 points each game. Yeah, yeah, it makes some fair points there. I, I was really impressed with the performance. I, I guess maybe it's that middle forty. You know, maybe it was that last twenty of the half and the, the first twenty of the second half. Because I think we looked as composed, and it might be something Matt's going to talk to. You definitely alluded to it. You know, Foley was fantastic. Yeah, and and, I, and I've now got a bit of a theory that, and it was Falau's best game too. And and maybe that maybe Falau just plays better with Foley. You know, and and, and Phipps inside him. Maybe that Waratah combination. You know, works better when they're together because. You know, Falau's copped some flack lately, but I remember at the start of the season versus England, he was our probably our best player, at, at least our, our best back. And I went back and had a look through that green and gold player of the year voting, and and he was you know constantly getting um, points, and 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 even those first couple of uh, uh, rugby championship games. And when he stopped, were well, the games that Quaid came in, and, and all of a sudden Foley's back to ten, and and Falau, Falau's back playing well again. I just thought, we looked dangerous. We made metres. You know, Arnold's running with intent. You know, Coleman's pretty good. Moore, it was Moore's best game for a long time. Um, Kepu was making metres. It was, it was, bloody Simmons made an impact from the bench. You know, it was incredible. So, uh, you know, best performance, I don't know, it's hard to say. While we didn't get the points, I, I reckon we, we played a smarter game. Oh, and this is what I'm going to say. You know, I think we played that. We took from the Pumas, didn't we? I mean, that pick and go straight up mm-hmm. the middle versus the All Blacks at the Pumas sort of showed the All Black vulnerability. I think we took on that. Um, but it looked like we had a game plan. And it looked and, and we executed it pretty well, except for that bit of a brain fart early on and, and, and just got run over at the end. Yeah. Well, look, I... I, I... You touched on some of the key performances I thought there, um, Reg. Um, you know, I thought the, the sort of the engine of the pack um, worked really, really well. Um, you know, both props were carrying well in the tight. 
I thought the second rows were just doing a monumental job clearing out. Um, and in fact, there were some, you know, some of that, those scrums were, <laughs> were immense, um, where the ball was just sat there <laughs> in the middle. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and, um, look, they, they didn't budge in the end, um, and even managed to get the ball back, uh, in, in, when it, when it counted by the end. So, look, uh, I thought there was some, you know, some Herculean efforts up front and actually started to look to match. You remember, you know, that's a, that's, that locking pair is as green as they can be. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's pretty good. And I, we don't exactly have the balance in the back row that we'd like, but, um, you know, that didn't do too badly, um, either. Um, and then out back, you know, look, what was amazing was there was everybody on Twitter and most commentators are saying, it's like, oh yes, Australia looks so much better in that game than I've seen for a long, long time, but weren't Phipps and Foley awful. Yeah, and I'm like, are you kidding? Like, how do you think a backline works? You think yeah. they just work in in spite of the the, the 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 you know the the two most important linking players? I mean, just just ridiculous. Um, and again, we saw. I mean, it, it, I think it is about combinations. I I left a comment on uh, one of the pre match articles, sort of saying, you know, someone saying. You know, oh my God, why is you know why isn't it Cooper at ten? And I and I think it really is about combinations. I think yeah, Cooper has an awesome combination with Genia, which they've built over years and honed and won a championship with. Um, and you know, Phipps and Foley have another one. And when Genia can't be there, then it only makes sense that you put the other one in there that does work. And you know, surprise, surprise, they played in that way, which is different to the way that Genia and Cooper play. Or if, you know, and and so you know, Phipps does that thing where it's fast ball, it's damn flat. He doesn't have a lot of um, defense. He still picks up the ball in those situations. So yeah, and does he have the most accurate pass in the world? Well, I'm not even sure we even know because he clears it so much faster than Genia does. Um, he's definitely not the athlete that Genia is. He doesn't have the all round game that Genia has. So yeah, I would choose Genia first. But if I can't have Genia, I'm going to put Phipps in. Then I think Foley's got to be outside him. Um, and, and you see how it works every time. And I, I like your theory there, Reg, about how it enables Falau as well. He mm. just, he can just read the play because he's been playing there for, with those guys for a couple of years, I guess. Um, so it's not to say that Phipps and Foley are better than Genia and Cooper, but if you don't have Genia, then I can't see how you don't play the other, the other combination. Um, uh, you know, and just and to, on your point there, Reg, about the game plan, yeah, I thought that was really interesting um, how we actually flipped out from the Argentinian game plan where, you know, we gave them all the ball um, and then, you know, and struck to this is the other way around, right? We kept hold of the ball, um, you know, a little bit, you know, which and, and then almost made that pay, you know, whatever it was up until about the 60th minutes when it, when it kind of, you know, fell apart then. So, anyway, answer to the thing is. Was this our best game? Probably not. I still think we shipped too many points. I still think we made too many mistakes. We look to play better against Argentina, but, you know, hey, it's Argentina. It's not the All Blacks. Hard to compare. Indeed. All right, I'm going to flip our last two burning questions because I want to devote a bit of time to uh, uh, Western Australian rugby to keep our uh, our newfound friends over <laughs> Western Australia because I know we get a new a few new followers over there on the back of uh, some of the work we've been doing in the NRC, and we'll come back to that last fourth question when we can. But uh, Perth just won the uh, NRC Grand Final, upsetting upsetting I guess the the uh, North uh, New South Wales Country Eagles up in Tamworth. Um, what does that mean for next year, Cavill? Do you think that's a good sign for the force next year, or is it really uh, uh, not really uh, correlated? Oh, look, 
it's a good thing for Western Australian rugby, certainly. I, I think it's – I wouldn't go so far as to say it means the force are, are going to be born anew next, next season. Um, it, it can only be good for their confidence and it can only be good for their development. Um, but, you know, super, uh, pretty much they played, with the exception of Dan Hallett-Petty and Adam Coleman and a few others, they're playing their super rugby team in, in the NRC. Um or a lot of the pieces of that Super Rugby team, and so really, you know, it was laudable for them to come through and, and win in the circumstances they did. And, and we talked about it last week, Rich, how how tough it is for them. Um, so you could just tell, like, and and look, the Force have always had ticker, you know, but bucketfuls of it, barrelfuls of it. Um, you can never be doubt doubt their resilience and and um, and and the the quality that they've got over there. But it's just that 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 top end. Um, talent and skill that they've always lacked. So John Lance is looking great. Luke Morahan's looking great. And, and, you know, if they can get that continuity there and get those guys on the field for a long time, then, then the force, you know, could could compete. But, look, I think that's probably still a few years away. I think it's just a, just good for the code, good to see them developing those players, you know, that are coming through the Western Australian system and starting to it's starting to bear fruit. And, and, and that, you know, is the biggest argument to keep the force over there. It's for this... It's just to get more players in the door, and it's another avenue for, for people to learn our game and be part of it. And you know, Western Australia is, is an important. Um, it, you know, it, sh- it just shows that there's there's talent there, and and we'd be, you know, it, it, we'll have to think long and hard before we 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 want to give that up. Yeah, look, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you captured it. Brisbane City didn't have a tremendous impact on Queensland Reds' performance this last couple of years, but, but what it does, it, there's a couple of things here. It, it gives. Um, you know, there's still a few spots to fill at that force squad, so maybe that gives a bit of hope to them attracting the right player there. Probably helps in the corporate side of things in terms of uh, selling some more sponsorships and, and on, on the on the premise of hope and uh, also some memberships and, and corporate hospitality, I guess. But it, they, they did bring through some great players. There's, there's two probably standouts, uh, Jermaine Ansley, the tight head prop, and, and Richard Hardwick, who got player of the match, the, the Phil War Award, who's an open side flanker. And with Matty Hodgson re-signing this week, it's great news for them. But, um, you know, they, they need that players coming through. And uh, I thought Hardwick's been fantastic so far in the NRC. And he's been there for a few years doing it, but he's really stepped up this year. But uh, Jermaine Ansley is a tight head prop. He's a, he's a really exciting um, prop. He's not a Taniela Tupo or anything like that, or Shambelica Viewy. He, he's a, an old school prop. School prop. He's a, loves his scrummaging, scrums really well, runs really hard. I, I think he's a, got plenty of talent. But uh, hopefully, just in these next few months, they can um, they can leverage off the success and, and, and build the platform for the organisation for next season. Um, what about you, Matt? Is, is similar thinking? It's it won't have too much an impact in Super Rugby. Mate, look, I've got to say, um, you said those names really fast, but I'd love to know how they're really pronounced. <laughs> um, in case I ever see those those players play again, um, just to know I'm looking at the right guys. But look, I can, I can say Jermaine Ainsley and Richard Hardwick. Don't let me say the other backup prop <laughs> again. So, um, look, I thought. Uh, look, the thing that I think is bigger here is this is. Uh, this oh, yeah. final, you said it up front, is at the centre of what seems to be, you know, sort of an explosion for Australian rugby or where it's all coming apart at the seams. I mean, because I think on one hand, you've got, you talked about this being most of the Western Force team. Well, I mean, there's a, there's a sponsor, what's the word, um, a petition going around um, yep. that seems to have been started in the last couple of days, basically saying save the force, keep it in Western Australia. So I think people over there are obviously feeling 
feeling it and feeling something you know might be in the wings. I just in the last few uh, days have had some information through, which is that you know there's all sorts of questions rumbling around the force as far as you know our players being signed for more than a year. Um, you know, these sorts of things because it's, you know, just despite what Bill Pulver might be saying in the press, um, I think, I think people are looking, I think it's looking to get wound up. Um, well, mate, what I, I'm, what I'm also hearing is some of the players they're signing have got big second year contracts. So they're, they're getting them over there, uh, knowing potentially themselves that it won't be around. Yeah, exactly. So, look, um, I think um, look. So, there's a lot going on there. But then, also, since the last podcast, we've had this the shoot things come back yeah. with a vengeance, um, and I think they've come out. And so, they, what's been really interesting there? I, I'm not sure that this whole other competition things anything real. Um, I think that's posturing. I think that's just to say, guys, remember, there are a number of shoot or premier clubs that support um, this competition as well. And, you know, what if we were to take those away? I think also the timing, you know, with that Fijian team getting announced has also made them think, hmm, this competition might be getting away on us a bit. Um, You know, if we're going to use... If we're going to use um, any power we've got, we're going to use it now. Um, you know, Hugh's written a bit ar- big article about that, I think, kind of giving his viewpoint on that um, at the end of last week, which you can find on the site. So there's a lot going on that this is all at the centre of. I mean, it's it, yeah, it's all seemed to kind of come apart on Bill Pulver at the moment, hasn't it? Yeah, it, it's interesting. The, the Queensland clubs or a couple of Queensland clubs have come out and said they're not as, uh, I guess, they're not rebelling against the ARU as has been proposed down in Sydney by a couple of the identities, Papworth and so on. Um, uh, Brothers Rugby Club are hosting the Australian Club Championship in February next year where they'll be uh, hosting North Sydney and at the same time on the same day, Queensland Uni will host uh, Sydney Uni uh, for another tournament. So all those clubs, are they're using that as a, a bit of an opportunity for all the clubs to get together. So all the Brisbane clubs will get invited and obviously those Sydney clubs will be represented, the other ones have been invited and the ARU are coming up, they're going to have a bit of a power wow about it all, so there's some hope for a national club championship um, post uh, club rugby but before NRC so that'll have to be some adjustments to the calendar but um, yeah, it, it's interesting It's it, initial outburst but it seems a little bit more placated since but hopefully hopefully they get together you know, th- th- this whole calendar is all over the place mate and it, it, you've almost got to scrunch it up and start again and work out what we want to achieve with every level because it's um it's a bit of a mess at the moment. It is indeed. That's like a whole other podcast or series. Yeah, it is. All right. So let's wrap up, guys. We're going to our last burning question, and we can effectively use this as a tip. We've got a few minutes to go, but we're about to undergo, and I can't believe how quickly it is. It's not week. They'll name the squad this week, and then next they'll fly off on Friday to the UK. Our first test match versus Wales is next weekend, not this weekend, next weekend. Um, and then we're, we've got a Grand Slam, including... And plus a game against France. So it goes, what, Wales, Scotland, France, Ireland, England. So question is, Hugh Cavill, is, is what's, uh, what's the pass mark for uh, this end-of-year tour? We've, well, we've got five games, pass marks four. I think, I think we're generally... Six games. Six, oh, five, sorry. Well, I think yeah, sorry, I was including games, the French Barbarians. I think we've got the yep. French Barbarians, but... Um, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I, I think pass marks four out of five tests. We, we can drop one. You know, England's obviously going to be a tough task, even though it looks like they've lost Maro Toji and George Cruz as well. But, um, yeah, I think 
that's the Wallabies are probably about three out of five, and I think I'd like to see them get to four out of five. So I think that's that's that to me is what what we should be aiming for. And, and look, I don't think we're a five out of five team, and I dare say if we do win, it might tarnish the 1984 Grand Slam a little bit because <laughs> I don't think this team is at all ready to be go down in that sort of um, company. But um, yeah, four out of five pass mark for me. What about you, Matt? Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I kind of agree with your logic, Hugh, but what that gets me to is that, like, you know, squeaking through pass would be three because I kind of think that's where they're at. Um, four would be good, I reckon. You know, four out of five um, in there. Um, but, yeah, and look, geez, if, if that four happened to be a grand slam, my God. Um, probably about the only way Checker could turn this year around, I would say. You know, you, oh, you lose. Yeah. You know, nah, you lose. Nah, year's, year's gone. It's gone. This is oh, ma- no. this is a meaningless tour, unfortunately, for the Australian for in the Australian. Not, not if there's a grand slam, mate. That's the only way you can make it meaningful. There you go. Yeah. But- uh, I want to hark back to a couple of times. Remember the last grand slam tour we we went on? Was it Robbie Deans and we we talked it up so much? It was going to be a grand slam. Was that maybe? God, I, I forget what it was, but it was. You know, I think it was Robbie Deans, and and we we got beaten by some club team in the first game, and then we lost <laughs> the first test. So it was automatically over in the first test. So I reckon yeah. they'll be very wary of that. But but I also go back, and it must have been 213, 2.13, I think, when Ewan took over from Robbie Deans, coincidentally, and yeah. had, a, had a pretty shocking rest of the rugby championship. I think, you know, the All Blacks put 50 on us, and did we lose to the Pumas as well in, in there as well? So it was a really bad year. But then we went overseas. I think we played England and they might have just beaten us, and I think there's a bit of a, a questionable refereeing decision in that moment. Mike Brown might have put yeah, his foot out or something. Yeah, but yeah. then we, we run the rest of the test and played really good rugby. Um, and it just it, it turned everything around. It's, it's how you finish this season. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with you, Hugh, in terms of the season over. We finished this season solidly. We'll start next season with a whole deal of hype again like we kind of did this year to very easily turn it around. But mate, uh, this, is, this tour becomes pretty damn vital for us in terms of um, uh, expectations for 2017 because um, uh, things are pretty dire at the moment. But if we, we string together a Grand Slam, that is huge, and they'll, they'll hang their hat on that big time. Oh, for sure. I mean, if it, if, yeah, if, 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 if. If, yeah. They could pull, if they could pull out a Grand Slam or even four out of five wins, I think, you, just, you know, then what you say is the beginning of this year was, you know, that was obviously building and yep. you know, the 11 new caps and whatever else. And let's say, you know, the locks continue to, to improve and, you know, Reese Hodge comes into his own and hopefully Karevi gets to play. Um, is he definitely ruled out? Oh, I don't know. Not, not formally, but I've seen his Instagram. He's going in for surgery, so that can't be a good sign. No, it's not a good one, is it? So, okay, Karevi doesn't keep going. That's a that's a shocker. Um, but you know, TK gets a run, I guess, um, which yep. you know he's not such a bad player. So, um, yeah, I think that totally. I think that turns it round. So, yeah, there's a lot to play for. All right. Well, we'll talk more about that next week once we know the squad and and, and we get more into that Welsh test, and that'll wrap us up. Which has been a pretty huge podcast, understandably after a massive weekend of rugby in Australia. Um, Matt and Hugh, thanks for your times, lads. And George, you guys can both have a weekend off this rugby this weekend, okay? <laughs> thanks, mate. I'll go cool and try and reintroduce re, uh, myself to my family. All right. Good stuff, lads. And everyone, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next week. Here's Foley. Away it goes to Hodge. Haylett Petty once more. Finding Hodge. Wallaby's threatening. As Phipps drags it out. Foot pass goes up for Arnold. Big man stretches. And scores.